Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here as we bring you another great episode of Talking Circles. Tonight, what else are we going to talk about? The new NASCAR schedule for 2020. There's some things, more short tracks in the playoffs. That's one good thing that I'm in favor for. But there's one thing, guys, that I'm going to discuss here. Uh, and if you let me go on a little bit of a rant, um, that I just, there's no way this can happen. And it, 15 years ago, if, if you remember back in 2004, we ran, or 2003, we ran our last Southern 500 on Labor Day weekend before we brought it back here about three years ago. And it was a, it was a disaster. It really was. It was something that, you know, we tried it with California. It didn't have the same feel. We tried it with uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. It didn't have the same feel. And I think with these weekends, NASCAR gets a little confused with that these weekends are special in racing because of they're just special in racing. That's not the case. The reason why these weekends are special, July 4th, Labor Day weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and the start of the, of the season is because of the racetracks that are there and the races that have the history of being there, whether it's the Coca-Cola 600 on Memorial Day weekend whether it's Daytona to start the year, whether it's the Southern 500 on Labor Day weekend, and the July race in Daytona. Those are four races, in my opinion, cannot touch ever. I don't care what. There's 32 other weekends to play with. You can do whatever you want. And I really don't care about doubleheader weekend, doubleheader at Pocono. I think that's going to be interesting. Um, I don't care that Homestead was shifted out of the final race of the year. That stuff doesn't bother me. I think it's good if you want to play with that. That's fine. Um, the schedule definitely needed an overhaul. There's no doubt about it. I think it's good to do that. But you can't touch the July 4th race at Daytona. You just can't. It's got too much history. When I, when I go to Daytona in July, I think of Richard Petty winning his 200th race. I think of, of all the iconic races we've had there in the Pepsi 400, the Firecracker 400, now the Coke Zero Sugar 400, whatever you want to call it, the 400 races we've had there and how great it is. And now I'm going to sit there that weekend and watch – Indianapolis, which this is the third time we're changing Indianapolis's dates in the last five years. Um, I'm not sure there's a date you can move to make Indianapolis work in NASCAR. You can try like heck, and it certainly looks like they're trying to. Um, listen, Indianapolis is a tough racetrack to watch no matter where you put it, and I think it's going to be hot as can be there, 4th of July weekend. Good luck with that. But to me, 4th of July weekend, a Saturday night race at Daytona makes perfect sense it always has. It always will. And the one thing about this schedule I, I don't like is that. And I hope, Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan, I hope to God this is not the reason why. Remember, folks, we had Monster Energy stepping away at the end of the year. The Daytona July race has been moved to the, the last race of the regular season. So the last race before the playoffs. What do the 600-miler at Daytona in, in May and – the second race at Daytona have in common. They're both sponsored by Coca-Cola. I hope that this isn't a PR move. This isn't a, a, a sponsorship move. This isn't a move to where we sit there and go, we're moving the May, from the May race in the Coca-Cola 600 to the regular season finale at Daytona is going to be called the, quote, Coca-Cola chase for the championship. Chase for the for the playoffs, whatever you want to call it. I hope that's not the reason why you moved Daytona. Please tell me 
That's not the reason why you moved Daytona. And again, if you can give me a legit reason of why you wanted to move it, I could swallow a little bit better. But right now I can't think of one because that race is iconic. The tradition of that race, everything that's gone in there, it's a tremendous race. It's a tremendous weekend. And of anything that you did here, to me, is overshadowed by moving Daytona out of July 4th weekend. Um, there was a lot of changes today, Philip and Spencer. One of the changes, uh, Phoenix is now the season finale. Um, Homestead has moved to after Atlanta, which is now on March 15th. We go Daytona 500. Then we go to the West Coast Swing. We go to Vegas Auto Club ISM Raceway. Then it's Atlanta. Then it's Homestead. Then it's Tex- Texas Bristol. We have an off weekend. Um, Martinsville is a night race now. It moves to May 3rd from the sixth week of the year to now May 3rd, right before the All-Star Race. It's a night race. Uh, we have a doubleheader May weekend 9th. at Pocono. We have a doubleheader weekend at Pocono, uh, July, June, excuse me, June 27th and June 28th. Doubleheader weekend at Pocono. That's followed by the July 5th event at Indianapolis. And then we have two off weekends on July 26th and August 2nd. Uh, that's interesting. We'll, get, we'll touch into that as well. The playoffs start at Darlington Raceway. Daytona ends the, the regular season. Then the playoffs start at Darlington Raceway. Dover is out of the playoffs now. It moves up into an August date. They add Bristol, Vegas. They add Bristol to the playoffs. Richmond, of course, there. Then they also put Martinsville as the second to last race of the season, formerly where Texas was, which would have been the third race of the season. Then it's ISM Raceway. And then they got an off weekend where Homestead was. Um, a, a lot to break down, guys. A lot to talk about. What are your thoughts on this, Philip Matthew? Yeah, I mean, the the there's so much to really unpack here. Right? I, I completely agree with you uh, with the fact that you're messing with tradition again. And, you know, the, it did not – DZF, one of the many fails that he has brought to the sport was moving the Southern 500 – and then they they first moved the Southern 500 away from the Labor Day, and they put it in November, and that to try to kill it. Then they moved it, they moved it to May to Mother's Day, which is a nice thing, which is what they're doing. I think with Martinsville with the night race, uh, it looks like it's going to be on Mother's Day weekend. So at least they're bringing that back instead of them going to Kansas, which is one of the worst freaking racetracks in the world. Uh, other than the one we're going to this week, but I, the, the moving the firecracker 400, it's an iconic race. Like all the, the, everyone remembers Richard Petty's 200, like while we've been talking about and people have been denigrating it, uh, his 200 wins. The fact of the matter is his 200th win was so iconic for so many reasons. And that moment happened on July the 4th. It was actually on July the 4th. It was on July 4th weekend. It was actually the day of. And to move it to the last race for the chase, playoff, whatever you want to call it, when you consider the product that's been on the racetrack the last couple of years at Daytona and Talladega, uh, whatever you want to call it, where stricter play, tapered spacer racing has not been good. And uh, now you're basically saying you're giving people a, a, a free pass to just drive through everybody to go and try to make the playoffs. Um, and that's pretty, pretty weak. Uh, I don't really care for that. I also don't care for throwing away tradition. 
Uh, you could you could do whatever you want with Indianapolis. There's a reason why the Indianapolis 500 is what it is, and it has become went back to being an iconic race because BZF, uh, his dad and his grandfather or his dad had a part in making sure the Indy 500 went away as being a major race, and then BZF came in and figured out a way to bring the Indy 500 back. Uh, it helps with Jay Fry and some of the other people that went over that way. But now the Indy 500 is back to where it belongs. It's one of the iconic motorsports events, period. Uh, Formula One went and insulted the fans when they only had six cars on the racetrack. They moved races all over the place. They took the Xfinity race and truck race away from IRP, and they put the Xfinity race in front of 75 people. And then the cup race is in front of 15,000 people. You're going to run this on the day after on July the 5th, and it's probably going to be 100 degrees. It's going to be steel grandstand. They're going to be lucky to get 30,000. They'll be lucky to get 20,000 people in that racetrack. I mean, if you're going to go and run Indianapolis, like, just just give it up. You know, like, I'm sick and tired of them forcing Indianapolis. And then the next week they're running Kentucky, which is another waste of time. So then it's like you follow bad with bad, and people are going to say, well, you have Pocono in, in Chicago and before that. So... For fans, it could be a bad, you know, month, basically. Me, personally, and for you, Clayton, I know that Pocono isn't such a big deal because it's a pretty good place to go for fans. Um, the the double header, if the weather ap- absolutely cooperates for both race days, it could be the best ticket in the whole entire sport. Uh, because And they have the rain, rain out guarantee, too, there, which is the first track that did it. And if right. the doubleheader, if they're able to get that, and it sounds there, it shows 400. So if you're going to tell me there's going to be two full races, and you're going to have I don't think that's a the case. race on Saturday, yeah, it isn't going to be. They have it on here that way on the NASCAR.com. But the reality is, if you're going to have like two, if it was like that, okay, fine. The point is going to be like two ARCA race distances, then you're going to have a truck race before that on Saturday. You're going to have an Xfinity race probably on Sunday. The ticket is going to be worth, is going to be value. It's going to be good value if weather cooperates. With the way that Pocono has been over time, Fridays have not cooperated all the time. Some years a Saturday, some years a Sunday. I remember one year, every race I went to was rain, had some rain issue. So the reality is it could really work or mm-hmm. they're just trying to put one nail right in the coffin of, of Pocono. And if this is being a Northeast person, you know, yeah, it's interesting. And then Dover, gonna, yeah, I was going to say we we'll, Dover's another one. We can get to that in a little bit um, as well. Where you know that's a Northeast race at track. Interestingly enough, to keep in mind, Pocono and Dover. What do they have in common? There are two tracks that are independently owned still. So keep in mind about that. They're getting their dates. Uh, it's it's sort of a risk taking it with Pocono. Dover gets its cha- playoff date taken away from it. So keep that in mind. Spencer Cowan. Uh, I want to get your opinion. I know you're close to the to the Daytona International Speedway where you live. Uh, what were your thoughts when you heard that, that Daytona wasn't going to be July 4th? But it might pique some interest because it is the final race of the regular season. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, it sucks because, like you said, you're so used to that race being in July. And, you know, I don't know if, like, we're just saying that because, you know, you guys have a house right across the street from me in Daytona, and you're just so used to it being July. Oh, yeah, he won the race in July. Now you got to go, he won the race at Daytona in August. It just throws everything off to me. Like, 
I don't really I get the historic thing, but that's not really where I'm leaning towards historically. But it's great, you know, Fourth of July weekend. I just feel like uh, it kind of fits Daytona. You know, they have a phenomenal fireworks show in the background uh, behind the Lake Lloyd, and I don't know, it just fits. You know, when in July, big race at Daytona. Um, but yeah, when you told me that over text before they even announced it that they might move it, I was like, what? Like, I just wasn't thinking that would be a move. Um, like you said, I think it's one of the races that shouldn't be moved. But, um, and there's some other things in the schedule. Like, I think the double Pocono thing, that is absolutely retarded. Or That's stupid. I, I think it's dumb. I don't want to see two races back-to-back at the same racetrack. Um, but, you know, who knows? We, you can't beat on it until you actually see it for the first time. So, uh, but other than that, I don't really have a problem with anything else. But, yeah, I was shocked when they moved Daytona. And the final race at Phoenix – I don't really like that. You know, I feel like Homestead race, you know, that's a championship for, you know, they're going to be down in South Florida battling it out for the championship. And now they're going to Phoenix. I guess yeah. just we're so used to it being Homestead, you know, but I think Homestead is, it's a unique racetrack. And, um, you know, man, they're about to go to Homestead and battle it out now. You know, it just throws things off to me a little bit. I don't know, like I said, if we're used to it or not, but uh, some changes I don't mind. Some of them I think are absolutely retarded. I think we're going to have to – I'm going to have to get explained as far as why Homestead was moved as well. Again, I can live with that one because I sit there and I go, it's not an iconic date we ran it. I remember growing up as a kid, for me and Philip, I'm sure, remembers it was Atlanta for all those years that we finished out the year, had iconic races at Atlanta Motor Speedway finishing the year. And I think a lot of people, and, and maybe even our next our caller here who lives in Georgia, uh, remembers when they took Atlanta away out from us. Uh, and moved to Homestead, and it was a lot of people weren't happy about that when that happened. But I think Homestead sort of became the unofficial uh, final weekend of the year. Again, that's maybe there's some marketing things behind that, uh, where ISM maybe stepped up to to sort of help all three weekend, all three races there, uh, and Ford's uh, maybe backing out of a Ford Championship weekend now. So uh, maybe it's it's got a marketing ploy there. I don't know, um, but Homestead kind of got shafted as well in this whole thing. Um, our caller, guys, is Chris from Georgia. Hello, Chris. What do you want to talk about tonight? Uh, I just wanted to talk about everything y'all are talking about. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. Everything that's going what, on. Uh, what what's your favorite thing it, about this about this uh, this new schedule here in 2020? And then is there a thing you? I mean, it could be perfect for you, or is there a thing that you don't like? I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons to it. Um, Daytona getting moved. Out of out of the July race kind of sucks because most of my July Fourth weekends I've spent it you know on the lake or somewhere listening to the race on the radio or it's just it kind of goes with the whole July Fourth tradition and um, that's I don't know that that's gonna be hard to swallow but a good thing mm-hmm. that comes from that is you know I know Clayton you know that I'm a huge David Reagan fan that is going to help him I feel like. Uh, because it's going to be so insane, uh, that last race before the chase. Um, you're going to see guys make the make the chase that have never made the chase before. Um, and it's, it's going to be pretty insane. I wish it, it would be so easy for NASCAR to, uh, you know, got everybody that watches these races all the time. Or for You know how they put out a survey months in advance? Or not months, mm-hmm. maybe not months in advance, but weeks in advance on NASCAR.com for the most popular driver. You know, now's your time to vote. Um, 
if if they're making plans to do things like this and they really want the fans input and they want to start selling out these races why not say hey how you know <laughs> which track do you think should be the last race before the chase and you know give four or five tracks to choose from I, right. and you know uh, uh, it just doesn't make, I guarantee you or or say do you think Daytona should be moved from July 4th to be the first race before the chase you probably would have got a seventy five percent uh no. Right. Um they and, think, and okay, if we put a if we put a restrictor plate race before the or it's not restrictor plate anymore, but correct. Uh, if we put a pack style race uh before the chase, you know, maybe that'll create some excitement. And what they're not realizing is the die hard, you know, fans that have been watching it for the last twenty, thirty years don't care. I mean, we right. we just want to see the the best racing possible, and we want to see. Um, I don't know. We we're all old school. We we uh, we very much like the traditional races that we already have. I did like Atlanta and, getting moved back a couple of weeks. I'm sure. Um, February's rough around here. Yeah, um, they had a tough date there. You can yep. I mean, it could be 80 degrees and beautiful, or it could be snowing. You never know. I was kind of hoping that they would bump it back to you know way later, like April or May time frame. Late April, right around the Talladega race, would have been awesome. But I'll take it. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, and it's I kind of felt I, like for years that it was going to be the new Rockingham, where they were going <laughs> to you know have it the second race of the year for and then get rid of it all together because they they just can't sell it out. Right. Well, and I, don't I love know why. I love Atlanta. I think it's a great racetrack. And, and Chris, I uh, appreciate your call so much tonight uh, and giving us your thoughts. And and here's the thing I'm I'm worried about with, with this 400-miler uh, at Daytona, before, and I know we've kind of harped on that a lot here, um, is that you know when the Southern 500 moved from Labor Day weekend, to me it didn't feel like the Southern 500. And that's what I'm afraid about this July 4th race is going to do is you know moving to Daytona from July 4th weekend, it's not going to feel like the 400-miler at Daytona anymore. Um, you know, you could call it whatever you want, but it's not the Firecracker 400 on a different date. So that's the one thing I'm I'm a little worried about here with this whole thing. Um, you know, and he brought up some good points about the fan, and they do have fan council NASCAR. I know they have a fan council they reach out to and discuss all this stuff with, but there's a lot of other factors in determining the schedule. One of the things is the TVs. You have to uh, to appease the TV market. And uh, one of the things I think that is that is huge on this schedule that we haven't seen in this schedule ever, I don't recall. I mean, if you want to consider when we ran Riverside in the 70s and had three weeks off before we went to Daytona as a three-week break, fine. I don't really consider that because it wasn't smack dab in the middle of the year like we're seeing here. Uh, two weekends off, Philip Matthew, um, on July 26th and August 2nd, uh, NBC is showing the Summer Olympics at that point. So they want those two weeks to sort of do whatever they want with the Olympics and not have to worry about NASCAR. I get, a, I get worried that you lose momentum in the middle of the year. And, and I know, you know, we have one week off, but two weeks off to me is just, it's too much. I don't care for it. Um, and I just think it's sort of giving the TV, t- the TV networks uh, too much power there. And I, I'm sure this is just a one-time deal because uh, next year we'll probably have some different uh, way to go about it. Uh, I doubt we'll see two dates next year because the Olympics won't be here. Um, and it sort of frees up a date to do whatever you want with those tracks. But what are your thoughts on the, on the double off weekend here 
in NASCAR, something we commonly see in a lot of other forms of racing, Philip. What do you think about it in NASCAR? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a thing years and years ago when we both first started watching, but I can't recall ever since they went to this new TV package in 01 that you had a two-week break. Uh, I think it's a sign of what Dale Jr. keeps on going on Twitter and talking about Fairground Speedway. Well, it kind of works where, you know, they might bring back the Nashville 420, you know, but in 2021 around that time on a Saturday night, I think that might be, you know, that might be the thing here in, in 2021. Uh, I think that it's a cop out by NBC to not want to go and, and show one of the races. I think it's BS. Uh, they were able to show racing a couple of years ago or last year or whatever it was during the Olympics. Um, I think it's kind of, or was it, I mean, they're able to show stuff. I mean, it's, to me, it's a cop-out, and it it shows that NASCAR, um, it's a bigger problem in NASCAR in that they're they're willing to sacrifice their series for freaking Olympics. I get it's the Olympics, but, you know, um, your series, and then what what it means is that the teams are going to spend the next, what is it, 10, 14 weeks on the road. That's what it is. It'll that'll be the last 14 weeks of the season will be straight. Like there might be, there's a few Saturday races, but at the end of the day, the crews that actually have to work on these cars are going to be working 14 straight weeks on the road, starting with Michigan in 2020, which I think is pretty rough, and I feel bad for those guys. Uh yeah. I don't know how well that's going to work out. I mean, in the end, what they're trying to do is they're trying to move away from football, from pro football, and by getting the season, they're somehow by doing it this way, if they had actually kept, theoretically, if they had actually only had a one-week break there, they could have finished on November 1st, and they would have avoided, like, basically mid-season football. You know, I think the move right. is they're trying to get away from the NFL because they finally yeah. realized that they aren't a, com- a competitor and they never have been. Uh, that's right. fine. Well, and here's the, the thing too. Isn't the greatest, but. Right. And here's the thing too with the NFL. It's interesting you brought that up, Philip, because that was the next thing I wanted to talk about was if you look at the first three races of the playoffs, if now Darlington starts the playoffs, uh, well, that's a night race on a Sunday. Um, and then you have a night race on Saturday uh, at Richmond, which won't affect the NFL. And sure there's college games there and everything that'll affect but then you have Bristol on September 19th. That's a night race as well. So you have a couple of night races sprinkled in there. And, and as we get later into the season, you know, um, it's going to be uh, a little bit too much, too cold in a lot of spots to run a night race. Um, that's what home, made Homestead so good. Um, but, you know, early in, that, in the playoffs, we have a couple of night races to sort of combat that, that NFL, uh, the big bad NFL. So certainly uh, something interesting to look at uh, from the schedule from there. Spencer, I want to get your take on this. You know, everybody kind of clamored, myself included, wanting more short tracks in the playoffs. We got that. Now we have three, all three of our short tracks in NASCAR in the playoffs. Our championship race is now at Phoenix, which races like a short track, per se. You also have the Roval sprinkled in there, which is a road course a lot of people like about. Uh, a lot more different. You still have your Texas and Charlotte, your mile and a half tracks, and Vegas. Um, but a lot more diverse of a of a playoff run here 
for these NASCAR drivers in, in the run for the championship. So that I think they hit a home run with personally is that they, they get a little bit more diverse. Unfortunately, our track Dover pays the price for it up here in the Northeast. Um, but I think overall, the more diversity in the playoffs is a good thing, Spencer. It is. It makes it more, uh, you know, playoffs is already intent. You know, things ramp up. And um, I get they want to make a change. I get that. And you stated that in the beginning that a change is good. We needed to mix up. But, yeah, you know, to change things up in the playoffs, you know, instead of seeing the same things over and over, you know, switching it up might change the game for these teams, you know, because they're so used to uh, going to the same track, you know, in the playoffs. And um, they kind of know what they, to expect. Now that you switch things up a little bit, it might make a little different. You know, weather uh, changes affect how the cars run. So that could make a difference. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. And, um, you know, the schedule's out. There's nothing we can do about it. They don't care what three people on Talking in Circles have to say or what we think about it, quite honestly. Uh, I don't think NASCAR is, really cares about their fans, in my opinion. But that's another story. But, yeah, we'll just have to see, you know, uh, let's – like give these teams a little switch up, a little obstacle, as you could say, and let's see what they can do with it. I'll tell you the race I'm really looking forward to is Martinsville as, a, as a, the final uh, final race of the third round. The only thing I get worried about yeah, here, and we have a caller here, the only thing I get really worried about here is that race is a week later than what it normally is at Martinsville. And uh, it's cold <laughs> in Martinsville, Virginia. It's a cold weekend. So, uh, again, I think that might be temporary just this year. Um, before they kind of shuffle that around a little bit next year when we get more short tracks and maybe they, they move a track or two into the into the Cup Series schedule. But uh, it's certainly fr- frigid there on November 1st in Martinsville, so that's something to keep in mind here as well. Uh, we have Josh from Georgia on the line. Hello, Josh. What do you want to talk about tonight? Hey, um, I just want to talk about how much of a bonehead move it was to move Daytona around. I, I, I do not get that at all. They're They're messing with tradition, man. Yeah, I mean, I think we agree and fill up, and I know Spencer uh, kind of echo those sentiments. Um, you know, do you feel like – are you worried that this race is going to sort of go away here where, you know, like I said earlier, when they moved the Southern 500 from from Labor Day weekend, it didn't have the same feel as the Southern 500. Um, are you worried at all that, that this race will lose sort of its, its July and, and heat and – uh, party atmosphere feel here uh, on Saturday and August 29th when they run it next year? Yes, uh, I am greatly. And it, it's gotten, so they did it with Darlington, and I no longer consider it a crown jewel, even it was gone for so long. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, what about, what about um, anything else from this schedule, Josh, that you look at and maybe something you like or something you, or there's another thing you don't like? Uh, there was a lot of changes here, a lot of things to take in. Pocono's got two weekend, two races in one weekend. Something else that stands out in your mind? I do like what they did with the Martinsville races. I thought that was a long-needed thing. Uh, I go up there both times. I oh, yeah. Really and it's gonna, again, it's, it, will that November 1st date, will that dictate whether or not – I mean, now that's a little bit colder and it's a week later, will that have any effect on your um, – you know, idea of buying a ticket for that race weekend? Not really. I've noticed it actually tends to race better there in the cold. Yeah. I said, well, I, I think because of the better grip for whatever oh, reason. Yeah, I agree. And and, there, and there's no doubt in the playoffs are always uh, the ramped up and intense. You know, we made that point last week on Talking Circles. But, Josh, I want to thank you so much for talk, calling tonight and uh, call again soon. Uh, you're welcome. You have a good one. You too. Thanks. 
Josh from Georgia. Uh, something else I want to kind of switch gears here on the schedule, guys. Um, how about this, Philip? Again, you know, I know we used to have a lot more short tracks on the schedule. Um, and who knows what's, what the changes are going to be like in 2021 when we actually can change some racetracks. I'm not as confident as I was six months ago now that what I'm hearing and reading on Twitter and stuff like that, um, that we're going to see a lot of changes to the racetracks here. But did you think NASCAR did a good job giving us a little bit more diversity in the playoffs with the Roval and with the three uh, short track races that are now sprinkled into the playoffs? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the layout of the the chase playoff, whatever you want to call it, I mean, and leading in with, I mean, I, I still consider the Southern 500 a crown jewel. I mean, Darlington's Darlington. I mean, as much as NASCAR and ISU wanted to kill it, they failed. And now it's back, and it's one of the biggest races of the year. Uh, the reality is that being the, the first race of the playoff, I think, is even crazier than it's already an intense enough race as it is, and then you add that. Um, I think the first round of the of next year's playoff is going to be outstanding. It might be the best round in terms of racetracks. And it's all Southern base. It's all, you know, the, the meat and potatoes is tracks that are what, you know, the sport was built on, you know, Darlington, you get Richmond, you get Bristol. Um, I mean, that's just awesome. I think the second round Las Vegas is whatever, you know, it is what it is. The cookie cutter. It's not the worst cookie cutter. Talladega, it's to be determined with this new pa- new new um, Daytona Talladega yeah. uh, package. I think the next three races they have at those tracks are going to truly determine how much that the change that is coming in 2020 is going to look. Having that race being a, a, a deciding race, the Roval, it's fine. I I mean it's whatever. I'd rather have a real road course there instead of a BS street track. But whatever, Charlotte Motor Speedway has become one of the worst racetracks on the schedule, so they had to do something. Uh, the third round is pretty weak until you get to Martinsville. And the way I look at it, the way they've made the playoff changes, they made the playoff change to the final four, I think, akin to what they did it because of what Tony did. And they wanted to have that kind of moment where you had to win and you mm-hmm. had to win to get the championship. So they thought how dramatic that was and what he did to win five out of ten races to go and win that championship. So like, okay, let's go and change the format to what we did, what we have now. And then last year, Joey Logano did what he did to Martin, and Martin Truex is still butthurt about it. And the reality is, oh, let's go and have Martinsville as the next to last race before the before the deciding race. And it's like, oh man, somebody's going to mow over somebody to go and make the make the final four. So then what are they going to do at Phoenix? Are they going to go and run them over at Phoenix the way that Jeff Gordon went and ran into Clint Boyer like an idiot and then ran <laughs> off and then Clint Boyer ran right through the garage area? Like that's really, I mean, in a lot of ways they're, they're responding to all the great, you know, great video clips and the great sound bites that have existed in the last few years. And on right. the one hand, I guess that that's cool. Uh, at the other hand, on the other hand, you're, 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 um, uh, responding to the lowest common denominator of the sport, which is part of the reason why it's dying. Uh, it is what it is. I'll see what we'll see what happens. I'd rather have Martinsville be a deciding race than freaking Texas because Texas blows. Um, Kansas is one of the worst. Texas, I mean, Kansas and Texas are two of the worst racetracks 
ever made in the history of society, and they still have places in the chase, and they still have two races. And that's a problem yeah. because the France family has a casino at one, and Eddie Gossage's head is larger than life, and he thinks right. he's, he's God. And so that's the reason why these, these horrible racetracks that haven't put on great racing ever or virtually ever continue to stick, but then they're going to kill tracks that actually have some creativity and you actually have to drive. But other right. than that, it's fine. I, I can deal with virtually most of these tracks. Having the Bristol night race in the playoffs is kind of insane. I, that, that'll be a, that'll be a new deal. It's always been in August, but the reality is now you're like, Oh, now it's a playoff. It's a playoff race and it's a cutoff. No less. <laughs> the Bristol yeah. night race is a cutoff. So that's going to be something. For sure, and I tell you, it's gonna be what makes this interesting, even in the playoffs. And and I want to talk about Homestead guys, and I definitely want to get on Dover too, before we move on. Um, what makes this playoff Spencer so interesting to me is you can. I wonder if they're sort of looking at it, saying, you know, not that these teams who don't, who are smaller teams and teams that don't have enough exactly are the bigger teams, not that they never had a shot, but it was tough. It was very tough with a lot of the mile and a half tracks. So you look at it, if you are in the top 16 and you got in from a win at, let's say, Daytona, you could run pretty good at Darlington. You can hold your own at Richmond, and you can hold your own at Bristol. It would make you advance to the next round. The next round would be Las Vegas, Talladega, and the Roval at Charlotte. So, yeah, the Las Vegas track it might, be, might struggle, but there's a chance for you to win at Talladega, and then the Roval at Charlotte, Charlotte, really anything goes. Okay. So let's say you went to Talladega. Then you get to Kansas, Texas, and Martinsville. Kansas and Texas might be tough for you, but if you can bring a really good race car to Martinsville and somehow get to the front and win, you can advance to the championship and race against ISM Raceway. Um, so I think that may be, may be making this the schedule as far as everybody is concerned. Like RCR, for example. I think Dylan, if Austin Dillon, when he advanced last year, he didn't really have a shot at making the playoffs or going deep into the playoffs. Now with these races, even though RCR doesn't run great on the mile and a half tracks, they'll be a lot more competitive at a place like Darlington, Richmond, Bristol, and then they can win Talladega, the Roval, and then, of course, Martinsville. They might be able to, to get into the championship four, and you never know what happens from that standpoint. Do you think maybe NASCAR looked at that at all, Spencer? I mean, they could have. Do I think they did? No. Because I feel like if a big name wins a championship, it's great. Because think of, just say, for instance, Kevin Harvick. Look at how many fans he has. If he wins, look how many people in the sport of NASCAR are happy that their driver won. Now, it would also be a good headline for a smaller team. Oh, yeah, so-and-so, small team, you know, don't have a lot of funding resources, is in the round of eight of playoffs, just for instance. You know, that kind of ramps up a good story. But that story is good for about two days. Then it's old. So, I mean, it's good that it's like this. It does give everybody advantage. It levels out the playing game a little bit. There's a couple races in each round that uh, helps them. So it's not like, you know, just say the first round was crammed with a bunch of short tracks and then they go to the round of 12. Well, basically their chance is over. So uh, it's nice. You never know. Just think of like when uh, Chris Buescher made it. You know, that if this – schedule was back in that he could have went maybe a little further um but yeah i'd like to think that it's that they did that for those reasons but i don't um 
But who knows? So I think it's uh, going to level out, and it's going to be interesting to see if that does help a smaller team. And I mean, it'll be fun to watch a small team. Like I, before, I was really high on Ross Chastain. I loved watching him in the playoffs with the small team. It makes things interesting. Right. Like, man, look at that team. They're up there running with these big teams, and he's giving them a run for their money. So it uh, it gives a little bit of excitement to see new guys in the playoffs or do well in the playoffs, as you should say. But yeah, um, why not? Let's let's just say that we they did that for that reason. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that that had anything to do with it at all. Uh, how about you, Philip? I mean, I'll bring you into this conversation because you live sort of where I live uh, up here in the Northeast, and and I know a track near and dear to my heart is Dover. Uh, it's a great racetrack. It's it's one of the tracks that drivers love going to because it's fun to drive. Now a lot of pe- a lot of fans look at Dover and go, eh, it's not a great racetrack. What I like about it is it's a unique racetrack. It's not anything like we see. It's not really a, a short track. It's not really a super speedway. Uh, there's high banks, you know, and, and it's hard on equipment. It's hard on driver. 400 laps at, they, at Dover is a lot. Um, so I like that track a lot. May 3rd and now August 23rd next year for Dover. They lose their playoff date. They've been in the playoffs since 2004 when we started this thing. Dover's always had a playoff date. Uh, what are your thoughts, and what do you think the people at Dover are thinking right now? Yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, getting demoted is the greatest thing for Dover uh, in terms of their draw. Uh, they've struggled to draw fans. I remember when I went there the first time in 1999, and there was probably a good 130,000 people there, and couldn't find my, our freaking car and we had to go to Hardy's <laughs> to get something to eat because we couldn't find our car. There were so many freaking people there. And the next year we went and parked somewhere else. We could actually find our car and Tony won. And I remember it because of that. And that was the only time I ever got to see him win live. And there used to be a ton of people that went to Dover. And I think the that having that September or October or whatever playoff type date I mean, the iconic, you know, Dale Jr. winning right after 9-11, that whole deal, you know, Ken Schrader running an American flag car. All these, there, there are certain events that have happened in recent years that connect, you know, Dover and moving it back and making it back-to-back with Watkins Glen. I guess if you want to take a late vacation out here in the Northeast, and go and spend two weekends watching NASCAR racing, it might be a good deal. I think also I read on Twitter, you know, somebody was talking about, oh, I can go and I'd go and do Dover and Martinsville so that, you know, the the Mother's Day weekend deal after the Dover race. So maybe in that sense, there might be a little pickup for both racetracks and then for Pocono as well. You know, maybe that's the idea. I, I don't know, but you know, I'll, I'm, it's wait and see. It's kind of disappointing, but it's not shocking. And mm-hmm. I think it's easy for ISC and Daytona for, for the NASCAR people and ISC because they're basically the same thing, no matter what they want to say, um, to go and move the non non um, you know affiliated tracks around and kind of affect their situation um, more than they're affecting their own personal situations because they have ownership stakes and what goes on with some of these racetracks. But right. you know, we'll see what happens. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, it may be more likely that I'll go to Dover. I, I've kind of gotten over going to Dover, especially on the Sunday. 
Uh, it might be more likely that I'll go on a Sunday now, but I doubt it. More likely I'll still go on Saturday, and it'll be in the summer, so it won't be so bad. Uh, you know, so, you know, it's to be determined. We'll see what happens. couple things with that date. You brought, talked about the summer. It is. It, it, it's up two weeks before, what you know, uh, up two weeks to where it was last year and this year. And and not that I, – I go to that September race. I go to Dover a lot. I've probably been there uh, – if I had to guess – I've probably been there 15, 20 times in my life, uh, Dover. So it's it's a great racetrack. Um, but that September date, not that it was cold, but it got chilly at the end. And, I mean, we go to football games. I go to Giants games when it's five degrees out. So that doesn't really make a difference. But I think for a race fan, it, it might be a little bit different. It might help pick up the attendance. Plus, kids don't have to go to school the next day. Uh, so I think that helps it as well, too, where – um, you know, you kind of, especially when they start these races at two, three o'clock now, you know, you get home now. I mean, for me, if I went to Dover in September, I have to work the next day and I still have to do that in August, but I have to work the next day to, to go do that. So, um, it, it sort of helps where if you're out of school, if you're a teacher or if you're a kid, you know, you kind of look at it and you say, oh, well, I don't have to go to school the next day if I'm at Dover. So, it helps that it takes the football crowd, which is the Northeast, which in the NFL, uh, the Northeast up here, in, in we got the Giants, Jets, we got the Patriots, we got the in that area you got the Ravens, you got you got the uh, in that area you got the Ravens, you got the Bills, you got the um, uh, the uh, Ravens, and who else was I going to mention? Eagles, uh, the, the Redskins, and the Eagles, all in that little area. Yeah. So that sort of that sort of breaks that up too, where you're not competing against the NFL as hard as you were. So it'll be interesting to see how that date does for Dover, a track that's near and dear to our hearts, whether or not that picks up there. Uh, Spencer, a track closer to you than it obviously the means in uh, Philip Matthew here is Homestead. Uh, they lose their, their final, their, their season finale. Um, they get pushed up into the March 22nd date after Atlanta, uh, after the West coast swing, then they go to Atlanta and then it's Homestead, Miami speedway, two tracks that I think are very similar racetracks. Um, it sort of loses its luster because it was such a phenomenal race. I thought uh, that it, it really, um, to me, I loved, I loved ending the season there. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was, a, it, you know, listen, I'll say this real quick on a side note. I went there a couple of years ago at Homestead for my honeymoon. And I'll tell you what, the hospitality there, we bought infield tickets for all three races, bought tickets to all three races there was not a track that had better access I've ever been to that had better access. And this was championship weekend, guys. It was absolutely awesome. Loved every second of it. And I, I was literally planning on going back there again and celebrating the championship again down there one of these years because we had so much fun when we went down there. But now they moved it. So um, it's a great little racetrack. What do you think about Homestead, Spencer, moving up there? Um, and, and maybe the effect it will have on that. I mean, I don't really care, quite honestly. I don't. But Homestead is just, you know that for the championship. You know what I'm saying? It's sunny. It's nice. It's in down, It's in South Florida. you got the nice palm trees on the back. It just fits, you know. Let's go down to Florida, celebrate a championship. You know, they start off the biggest race here, so they might as well end it here, you know. But I just feel like, I don't know. It sucks because if Larson was ever to make it to the Final Four now, he's going to be in trouble. Um so that's a positive why I don't like it, and I have every right to. I'm a Larson fan, so I'd like to see him win a championship, and that's going to make it even harder for him. i got to be honest with you. 
But, no, to get back to the real point, I don't know. I just feel like uh, it gives it a little twist, and it's just something we're going to have to get used to. it. You know, when I say it's championship four-time, you think Homestead-Miami, you know what I'm saying? So, um, it's like you said, it's real nice down there. Uh, I enjoy going to South South Florida. I've never been to Homestead, but I go down there for uh, other reasons, and it's a great – it's nice down there. And it's uh, and it has more of like – I don't know, like – Richie atmosphere everywhere I've been. I don't know how it is over there, but I think it's a great place to have championship for. Um, uh, if you say the hospitality is nice like that and the access down there is fun and, you know, championship four is big and people want to experience that. And now we can go to Phoenix and it might not be the same. It gives Kyle Bush an extra chance of winning the championship, but uh, no, uh, it's, yeah. it's just something we're going to have to get used to it. Honestly. Yeah, real quick, Philip. The final word on the, on uh, on this on the schedule here before we move on to, to the qualifying rules that were announced. How about uh, Phoenix? How do you think that'll be as a as a championship race? I mean, it runs sort of like a short track. Uh, the race at Phoenix last couple of weeks ago when we went there wasn't tremendous, uh, to say the least. What do you think about that being our our championship race? Yeah, I mean, I like what Spencer was saying. I'm like the minute they make. Phoenix, the the last race of the the season, I'm like, oh, so they won. They really do want Kyle Busch to win the championship. That's what I thought. That's the first thought I had. Yeah, no the second kidding. thought I had, I mean, the the second thought I had is ever since they ISC went and destroyed the thing, and they made this massive, like, huge paved area, and they made all these alterations and just made it goofy. They've really ruined what is one of the great ovals, short ovals in America. And it was a track where you really had to be able to drive. and you really, I mean, and it still is, but it just doesn't look right. And frankly, they've kind of taken away some of the things that, you know, you really need to be able to do there to, to run well. And you can kind of tell, you know, like we talk about Jimmy Johnson every week and how he's falling off. There used to be a time where Jimmy Johnson won every single time in Phoenix. And then mm-hmm. it was Harvick once in between both before and after. So that shows how good of a driver Kevin Harvick is. And when we talk about 200 wins and all this, Kevin Harvick's on with five. Nobody talks about that. But then now ever since they made this, this new reconfigure and the stupid pit and it's like a mile and a half day, it, it, to me it's, it's a forced job and it's really a money grab. And, I mean, fine, they might get good promotion in Phoenix, and it will be generally it should be warm, and they'll be able to do this triple header weekend. They'll be able to get all three championship races. I think the truck and Xfinity race at the end of the day might be better than the cup race, uh, Yeah, which I think is sad when you're deciding <laughs> a championship. But, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. See if Kyle Busch makes the final four again next year. He probably will. So, Yeah. Yeah. Uh... The one thing I thought about Phoenix quick, and I hate to do this because it, it's it's uh, it's something that I guess people will look at as sort of negative, but they've thrown a lot of money at that racetrack in the last couple of years, and you just have to wonder if maybe that was a business decision where they sat there and said, "Hey, let's try and maximize our uh, you know our, our revenue by moving the championship race to Phoenix." You never know. Uh, you know, again, it's it. I agree with you, uh, Philip. One of the things I can't, I really can't take at the racetrack anymore is when you go there and you see where pit road used to be and they kind of changed everything around. And they got an advert, a big advertising. It just, it just, they need to figure out something better to do with that. It just kind of looks funky. 
with Steve how they have it now. Steve yeah. Udonis yeah. mentioned that, though. I think that's part of the reason they moved it. Is he was saying what? something about a lot has went into that place, and somebody over there has done a great job with every time they go there, they have a lot of fun. And I don't know if you guys watched it, but that's what he was saying. No. He goes, so it kind of made – Well, of course he just moved it. He sits out in the backstretch and gets loaded every freaking time he goes there. Well, I'll say this. I think, you know, again, that's just if, what if that's a business – if that's a business decision, I, I'm not a, I'm not thrilled with that because again, it, it, you look at it and you say, as a fan, as a fan, and that's all I am. I'm a fan. As a fan, I don't care about if you threw money at that racetrack. Um, you decided to do that. You decided to do that. If it's a great race and, it, and it's perfect for championship weekend, and you think that's the reason why you know it'll it'll drive. It, you know, if you could sell me on on even Vegas when when they were talking about moving Vegas to the final race of the year. You know, and they used to have the banquet there. You could say, well, it'd be cool if they at the end of the race the season at Vegas, and they sort of drove the cars off. You know, the winner drove the car off the racetrack into the streets of Vegas somehow, something silly like that. I thought that'd be really cool. Somebody told, uh, I think I either introduced that or somebody told me that I can't remember anymore. Um, but I always thought that was kind of a cool thing. I'm like, okay, you can sell me on that. If you could sell me on something like that, that w- it would be, you know, uh, great for the sport and big needle movement for the sport. Okay, I could live with that, but. If it's strictly a business decision or if that's what mainly went into it, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, qualifying at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend, guys. That's where we're headed, Texas Motor Speedway. Um, new qualifying rules due to what we saw at uh, the debacle that was the qualifying session at Auto Club Speedway on March 15th. Uh, no drivers posted a lap in the third round of qualifying, if you remember correctly. So NASCAR announced on Monday that any driver does, that does not complete a lap in a round of qualifying, due to excessive waiting, will start at the rear of the field. The new rules go into effect on for March 30th race at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, so there was also a, a rule in to where um, if you you can't leave your box where NASCAR has you uh, slated unless you're going to go out and make a run. You can't just sit at the end of pit road anymore. I kind of liked honestly. I kind of liked that decision because I thought waiting at the end of pit road was dumb. Um, do you think, Philip, this is going to change anything for qualifying? What are your thoughts? No, I don't think because I, I was sitting there watching Race Hub yesterday and Chad Knauss laughed. And when you consider he's one of the greatest crew chiefs of all time, no matter what you want to think about him, when he laughed at when they read the rules and how they've changed him, and I think David Reagan was on Race Hub yesterday and he said no. And um, I know he's your guy, and he's had some good qualifying, or I had some chances, him and Mac Driver. And I think at the end of the day, it's fine. You don't run a lap, you don't, you lose your qualifying. Okay, that isn't going to make a difference in terms of them going out until the last possible minute on a bigger racetrack, going and putting them into like a into a corral so that they can't block the line isn't going to decide that they're not going to qualify until 35 seconds or 45 seconds before the flag flies. You know, hey, there's, to me, the the reality is this. As long as you're going to have this massive spoiler and no horsepower, this is what it's going to be. They didn't bother to think about this. And NASCAR sitting there and you have Scott Miller sounding like an idiot talking about we're in the entertainment business, like he's Vince McMahon or something. Uh, when he was like a mid-range crew chief. And so, you know, either give him back more horsepower, take that spoiler off the thing, 
and let them run full bore, or you cut the the qualifying to half an hour. You have five, and then it's like you have three minutes in the final session, you have five minutes in the second session, you have seven minutes in the first session, whatever. Make that thing into so quick that you, you could get it in even if there was a weather issue because they like to cancel qualifying a lot. So you go and make that thing so it's done in half an hour. Let's yeah. go and uh, let's go and cut it so quick where you make it into a condensed. They want to be about entertainment. Let's make it get it done in thirty minutes. That's what I say. Then there, then you won't be able to sit around because you're going to have forty cars on a racetrack in seven seven minutes. You're going to have twenty four cars or whatever you want to twenty cars in 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 five minutes, and you're going to have twelve or ten in three. You just go and solve that problem right then and there. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Um... You know, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams go out there. And like you said with Canals, who's one of the most uh, best crew chiefs, not only because he knows how to set up a race car, but he thinks about this stuff. He thinks, okay, what's the loophole? How am I going to get around it? How am I going to do all this? You know, make myself and make make it an advantage to my race team. So it's going to be interesting to see how this how they play out. You know, you can't sit there and you have to 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 make a lap. And and me uh, before I heard the schedule thing. Today, I was sort of sitting there going, what are they going to do with qualifying? How are they going to manipulate this? Uh, and I, I haven't thought of anything yet, but I mean, I'm not a crew chief, and I don't think I could be a crew chief. So these guys are much more smarter than I am to see what they're going to do, these drivers and these crew chiefs, about what they're going to do uh, and how they're going to get around that loophole. So, you know, I think eventually, and I said this when it was announced, this is a what I like to call a temporary fix because I think eventually we're going to go back to single-car runs I like qualifying, especially, and people are like, oh, well, you, oh, you could do away with qualifying. I think why people want, when they say they want to do away with qualifying, I, I like qualifying simple. <laughs> Two laps, the guy's done, it's over. You, whoever's got the fastest race car sits on a pole. Whoever's got the slowest race car sits, qualifies last. I, I think that's the best way to go about it. I think it's It's competitive. It's fun to watch. It, you, you know, people say it's not fun to watch. It is fun to watch because you're not, even though you're not racing against somebody on the track, you're racing against the clock. Now you're sort of just making laps and saying, "Oh, I don't even know, you know, where I'm at," and, and you're not really. It, somebody might might come up and, and block your your lane. It's, it's craziness. I like qualifying simple. That's just me personally, and you can argue with me until you're blue in the face. I like qualifying simple. Uh, Spencer, is there anything that you stood out when you saw these rules about qualifying? Anything that stood out to you about what you thought uh, about qualifying and, and and the new rules that NASCAR has? No, I think it's uh, good. You don't make a lap, you start in the back. That's why uh, you qualify to go see where you start. And I totally agree. I think we need to go back to single car runs. Uh, and the only team, the only people, and and I think I don't know. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong. I think the smaller teams like group qualifying. You can get a little bit of draft off of somebody, sure. get a little bit of better starting spot. So the smaller teams are loving it. They don't want it to go back to single car qualifying. That's side the point. I just wanted to hit on that for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, fastest car starts on the pole and so on and so forth, all the way to 40 cars based off of your time and your, uh, your runs that you have with your laps. Um, and then back to uh, you don't make a lap. You start in the back. I think that's great because then you're going to keep having this, you know, let's wait until somebody moves. And then once somebody moves, we all go, no, you NASCAR looked like a joke last time so they fixed something about it and they know they got a lot of hate for it and this brings me back in 2017 dale's last race he didn't even go out for the second round and that drove me nuts 
because it's qualifying and you are there to qualify. Go out and make a lap. Um, yeah. So, and like, and I know he wasn't there to win that race. There was, win was in his eyes. He just wanted to not start last. So he knew he was starting 24th and he didn't go back out. But yeah, I think you need to go out and make a lap. Uh, and if you want to start 12th, well then go out and go slow and run the bottom of the racetrack and get your lap. Just stay out of the racing line, but go on the racetrack. So, yeah, I think uh, this is a great rule, and I want to see single-car qualifying. Whether we see that or not, I don't know. I don't make the decisions. But, yeah, uh, from my eyes, everything they did with qualifying, I think, is a great step and a great thing that they did. Well, here's the, here was the interesting part. I know you brought up Dale Jr., and I, I kind of want to touch on this part a little bit. You know, when he did that in, in, in Homestead, I was there, obviously, so I remember that vividly. Um they they raced on the tires they used to qualify on. That that was a rule up until I believe the beginning of last year they changed that. That's true. Where you, you raced on the tires you qualified on, which could you imagine now if they did that? Where you sat there and you said, Hey, you have to race on the qual on the tires you qualify on, how many drivers would have decided in these rounds to not make a lap? Sit there and go, Okay, you know, it's not really worth it to go out there and do it. Uh let's not make a lap. So I mean, Martinsville obviously is a different story because track position is very important there. Qualifying is very important there. Um, and, and, you know, aerodynamics aren't nearly as big a factor here at Martinsville as, as, as it was at, um, at California and how it's going to be at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. So um, certainly uh, so, something to look at it to keep in mind here as we move forward. Okay, guys, you know, this is our final show here before we get to Texas Motor Speedway and we'll review um, – the, the race at Texas Motor Speedway on Sunday after after Texas. So I want to get your your predictions to win and what you think we're going to see here really quick on the last couple of minutes of the show. Uh, Philip Matthew, I'll start with you. Who do you got this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway? I'm trying to bring up the entry list real quick here. I know we have a triple header this weekend. So and the Obiaka yeah. car is actually showing up, which is miraculous. Yeah, um, I, I'll say itself. this real quick about Obeka, um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see David Starr in that car just because it's Texas Motor Speedway. Starr's from Texas. He's got a relationship yeah. with that team in the past, so keep that in mind. When uh, I know that right now, I believe on the entry list, it's to be, to be a, a determined or to be waiting or to yeah. be announced or something like that. So uh, just keep that in mind about David Starr. But but continue, yeah, who do you think what, what we're going to yeah. see at Texas and who do you think we're going to win? I mean, uh, I figure, I mean, it's easy to go with Kyle Busch to go and do the weekend sweep just for the sake of it, but I don't want to do that, even though I figure it's entirely possible. Uh, He's going to at least get the, he's going to get the trucker win for sure. But uh, in terms of the cup win, I think Ryan Blaney, he's been, ever since they reconfigured the track, Ryan Blaney has been really good there. And uh, he's the only Penske guy that hasn't won yet this year. So I think it's a good time for him to do that in terms of the Xfinity race. I figure Kyle Busch is going to win that. Um, Brad's in it. Thank God. I have a reason to watch now. Um, I might actually watch that race. Uh, so, so if Kyle Busch doesn't win, I figure Brad Kozlowski will win it. Uh, and then in the truck, truck series, Bubba Wallace is driving the 22 truck again. So I kind of have a reason to care. But Kyle Busch probably goes and wins that one, too. So I take Kyle Busch gets the first two, and then YRB goes and gets the one on Sunday that matters the most. 
interesting. It's uh, yeah, Blaney's been knocking on the door all the last couple of weeks, no doubt about that. Uh, he Team Penske's been strong, and so is Joe Gibbs Racing here in this new package. Uh, Spencer, what are your thoughts on on this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway? Who do you got to win races here? Uh, at Texas? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the four car of Harvick. Okay. Uh, he he finished second, I think, and won a stage, as I just looked up. Um, so yeah, the four car, I think they're due. You know, by this point, they have already had you know five races won, I believe. So I think the four car is going to rebound and get a win. And like I said, you got to throw the 18 in there. I mean, you have to. The guy does not go away. He does not run mid-pack. He does not run in the back. He runs up front. So you have to throw him in. And I'm like, Philip, I don't want to say him, but I'm not stupid. So, but I want to just pick with the four. And then uh, Kyle Busch, the truck race and the Xfinity race. Uh, uh, I don't know. Just whoever crosses the finish line first. Kyle's running that race too, so he's gonna have a good shot at winning that one too. Well, let's go. Okay, I was gonna say Christopher Bell, but I don't want to say him either. So let's just go with either two of those. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Well, Kyle has a very good chance of sweeping this weekend, just because Gibbs has been very dominant on in the Cup Series. They've been very good this season. Uh, You know, he's a threat for the Xfinity and Truck Series when every time he races. So certainly look out there. Something to look out for in the Xfinity Series too. Jeb Burton running his first race for junior motorsports this year. Keep that in mind there as well. And he has Growlit in the 21 for Richard Childress racing too, running his first race. We'll see how he performs. Uh, you know, I'm going to go Reddick this yeah, weekend in the, awesome. in, in the Xfinity series, Tyler Reddick. I think he's got a shot at it. Um, keeping, keep a lookout for um, also uh, Ross Chastain in the truck series race. We've seen how good he's been. Yeah. Phil Gould has seemed yeah, to really yeah. been, been good a good addition to that race team as well so uh keep in mind i'm, I'm curious to see what we see from frasian this weekend as well uh stew's been close knocking on the door for the last couple of years here still hasn't been visiting victory lane yet um but he's got a good shot at it as well he's good on these mama half tracks so you know gms racing affiliation team there uh so keep keep your eye on Stuart frasian there as well and also you got the uh i'm curious to see what we're going to see from the 13 truck as well with johnny Sauter, who they've had a, a, some speed this year they really haven't been able to put it all together and, and complete a full race. Uh, on the Cup Series side of things, Spencer, I'm not going to go with Stuart Haas. I just think they're a little bit off on speed right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Joey Logano. I'm going to go with the Penske guy there. I think Logano's got a really going to have a really fast car this weekend, and they're going to put it all together and find victory lane. Guys, it was a great show tonight. I know we talked about a lot with the schedule and with the, with the new qualifying changes. I appreciate it. Uh, be back here next time on Talking Circles, 9 a.m. We, we have a show with Rocky Ryan, David Reagan, spotter, debuting on Talking Circles, Rocky Ryan Hour. And then we'll be back here, Philip Matthew, Spencer Cowan, and I will be back here reviewing the race at Texas Motor Speedway on Sunday night. So good night, everybody, and we'll see you next time.